You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packer Night Podcast. I am, in fact, your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. On this day in Packers history, this is, again, 365 days ago. And we're kind of just continuing on, I guess. We're still looking at the Falcons. We're still debating life and what life is and what it means. Um, I won't do much by way of preliminaries because that's pretty much what today is about. But um, anyways, again, the the rage, I think, begins when we... (laughs) Aside for fun, we're going to beat the Falcons. You know, just it's just constant. Like, we're, we're really terrible. But we won. Ooh, maybe. Here's how we can do. And then we lose to the Cardinals. Like, okay, this is a joke. Fire the coach, whatever. And then, oh, we win. It's like, oh, why? But, okay, well, let's look at it. And then we lose. And it's like, all right, it's done. And then we decide, hey, let's beat the Jets in overtime. And it's like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choke the life out of you like you would not. I, I can't. You guys are the worst, right? <laughs> like, how could we be the worst team ever but not have a good high draft pick? Oh, I have a strategy. But anyways, that's what last year was. This is a little bit in-depth, looking a little bit more at the Falcons. So we'll take a break and get into it. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones, and to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So today's going to be a little bit of a mishmash. We're going to revisit uh, the Packers-Falcons game a little bit. From there, who knows, man? You just never know. Anyways, I want to uh, very briefly start off with the fact that Mike McCarthy took out a full-page ad. I'm sure you've read it if you have social media, especially Twitter. I, I can't go five things, tweets, whatever, without seeing the message. But if, if you don't really use it or have social media type stuff, um, it's a thing, and you should Google it. I'm not going to read it because it's long, and that would just be a, uh, I don't want to say waste of time. It would be a good use of time, but it just makes me feel like I'm using it as a time filler, and that's lame. You've probably already read it, most of you. 
But here's what I will say. Just about every message is about how awesome that is and uh, how emotional it is and all that kind of stuff. And it's true, and it happens every time somebody leaves. Here's the first thought I had. Do you remember, (laughs) not very long ago at all, I would say at a maximum like two weeks ago, I told you, I understand things are frustrating. I understand things with Mike are not good. I also understand he's going to end up getting fired, but you need to understand there's going to come a time when he's going to be fired. It's going to be a very emotional time, a very sad time, and everyone is going to gather around and applaud him and say what a great coach he was, what a great person he was, what a great addition to this team he was, what he's meant to my life and your life and everyone else's life, what a great family man, all the players of all the, the players that you love and respect and adore are going to gather around and talk about what a great person he was. You know, now he's dead. But what an impact he made on their lives, etc., etc. Don't be the guy who's forced to stand on the outside because you've been calling him, you know, walrus or whatever else kind of horrible things you've said about the man and saying he's garbage and I hate him and fire him and get him out of here and all this kind of stuff. Don't do that. Now, everybody has been saying, including players that say they really like him, I think Jermichael Finley, I just heard on the radio the other day, he's a huge fan of his, right? All this stuff, and I really expected him to say he should not have been fired. He could not stop talking about what a great man he was. Then they asked him, and he's like, oh, no, it was time to go. And then he took it a step further and said, no, he shouldn't be a head coach anymore. He just, he he maybe should be an offensive coordinator or something. So you, you can be respectful and appreciate the person, and intellectually say, I think it's time for a break. The fact that so many people have to go down the road of saying, you're a, a blubbery, walrus, donut-eating, you know, horrible, evil person that needs to get away from us, although I did kind of say we should send Zook to China, but I'll live with that. I think I'll live with that. But Zook isn't Mike McCarthy. And again, I just said that for you because I've been on the other side of that. Whether it's rooting against the team or saying they're garbage and we're not going to make it and then they go on a run and we get into the playoffs and win the Super Bowl, I was on the wrong side of that. Or a player, you know, when you, you kind of get down on a player at the end of their career and then, uh, you know, they retire and it's sad and you feel like if I say this is, you know, what a great man, I'm going to be a hypocrite. Some people don't care. They're happy to be hypocrites, but don't be that either. The right thing for you to do if you've been a terrible person to Mike McCarthy is to stand quietly on the outside and do your best to defend your actions. I'm just saying life is much better if you just, you know, maybe don't say unnecessary stuff like that. Because then you can say it would be the correct move to move on from Mike McCarthy, and then when he leaves, you join the rest of us in applauding him and thanking him for what he's done and being grateful for what he's done. You know, it's a nice moment. It would have been nice for you to be able to share in it, but you can't. And even if you're, you're blending in with your you know, disguise on and your fake mustache so nobody recognizes you as the guy that's been calling him names for two years, you're still a hypocrite and you're not a part of this. I'm very sorry to tell you. You don't get to say, wow, this is so awesome, what a great emotional thing, he was a great... No, that's not for you. Better luck next time. So again, I'm just trying to help you people out, man. I know most of you are already on board, but social media is a vicious place. And I'm just trying to tell you, as much as you might think it's fun to be vicious and mean and a terrible person, it does have negative ramifications for you. 
Don't be so miserable. Enjoy things. Be a little nicer, and then you get to enjoy these nice moments with the head coach who sent a big thank you to the fans, and then the fans, 90% of us, you know, yelled back, thank you, except for the 10% who've just been complete, you know, not nice people. Just calm it down, man. Always remember this moment is coming. Yeah, I wasn't very nice to Brett Hundley. You know what? If he went down as a Hall of Famer, that's on me, I guess. Same goes for McCray. Kind of stood on that one for a long time, and I think I'm okay with that. And even for the record, people like Devontae Adams, depending on how you handled that, it's okay to say you're not playing well. That's fine, because he wasn't, and that's correct. If you start calling him names and screaming at him and whatever else, you're kind of on the wrong side of this. And then being his best friend later on is is not really how that works. Yeah, that's my guy. I got your jersey, dude. Like, no, man. (laughs) No. Better luck with the next guy. So anyways, that was just a reminder because I tried to tell you. And next time around, because, again, I've been on the wrong side of it, just keep that in the back of your head always. Because it's not very often you're going to have somebody with the reputation and the longevity and and the and the resume of Mike McCarthy as far as being a Green Bay Packer that leaves. Now Brett Favre is probably the only the, the next biggest one ever. I know Jordy was more emotional for most people, but Mike has been around a lot longer. Next time this is going to happen by the way, you know, there's going to be several, but the next big one is going to be Aaron Rodgers. Let's 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 start today remembering that. Call a spade a spade, but let's cool it. But anyways, again, if you haven't read it, it's very, very nice. He was a very, very good person, if nothing else, which is, is reason enough to not go too far and call the guy names and stuff, right? He's, he's, he's a great person. He treats his players very well. He's always defended them. Very, very big family man. Very much well known for being a family man. The players knew him as a family man and, and prioritized family over football, right? Like the, the, the whole thing with J.K. Scott and everything else. That, that, that's Mike McCarthy and that's the Green Bay Packers. And, and that's, that's, his, that's his thing. He understands the importance of family and very, very good person. So anyways, I would say we would be lucky if we can find anyone as good as Mike McCarthy for our next head coach. I would say it's unlikely. I'm not talking about 2018 McCarthy. Obviously things went poorly, but we're, we're talking the entirety of his career. I would say things went pretty well here. Anyways, uh, let's pivot over to the, um, uh, what are we calling this, the injury report. There you go. So as of right now, David Bakhtiari is fine, which we all knew. He was full participation all week. Randall Cobb and Jimmy Graham went from limited to full. They are playing. Clay Matthews limited to full. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Equinemius have been full all week, so they're playing. And uh, Lane Taylor has been limited all week, including Friday, but he's playing. Questionables, uh, usually questionables play. However, Byron Bell stands out. He did not practice on Friday either, so it's entirely possible he doesn't play. Um, outside of that, uh, Hunter Bradley was uh, limited Friday, so much better chance for him. And then Bashad Breland and Kentrell Bryce were full participants, but still listed as questionable. Bashad Breland with a groin injury and uh, Kentrell Bryce ankle injury and concussion. It's I'm, I'm guessing it's one of those things that were full p- participation, but it's something that could easily be re-aggravated. It's kind of on the fringes kind of thing. And if things go south, you know, you give them the questionable tag. But um, anyways, doubtful is Brian Balaga. And that's not a good thing at all. Out officially is Raven Green. 
So again, we're going to have some issues at safety, not that I'm the biggest Raven Green fan, but considering the lack of depth and talent, um, it'd be nice to have him. And uh, Brian Balog is a big hit. I, I, I just, uh, I don't think he gets enough respect. I feel like every time I talk about Brian Balaga, I have to over-inflate how good he is because it seems like he is a very hated person in Green Bay, and maybe that's too strong of a word. But I, I just, I, I think it's completely unfair. He is, he is and has been for a very long time a very good tackle. As far as pass protection goes, he's been very, very good. He's not David Bakhtiari, but literally nobody in the NFL is. I, I don't know very many teams who wouldn't take a guy with Brian Balaga's talent. In fact, if we drafted a tackle and you could tell me that he's going to be as good as Brian Balaga, do you want him or do you want to take a chance on somebody else? I would absolutely take that guy 100 times out of 100. Brian Balaga is fine as a right tackle. He, he has been, I think, what, two years ago, he was the best pass-blocking tackle in the NFL, something like that. It wasn't Bakhtiari, it was Balaga. And Bakhtiari and Balaga have, have paired as the best tackle, pass-blocking tackle duo in the NFL for like three years running now. Maybe more, I don't know. So it, it just, I, I don't get the dislike. I understand the injuries are a problem, I get that. But when he's on the field, the guy's, he's a lock. So it, it's just weird to me because it's one of those things where it's like, you just want him on the field all the time. Why are you trashing him so much? Seems to me that if there's a guy that you want on the field all the time, that's not exactly the kind of guy you trash. That's the kind of guy you praise because he's awesome and you want him on the field all the time. But I guess that's not how some people operate. But no, I, I think Brian Belaga is fantastic. And considering the lack of depth, um, I know Spriggs has seemingly taken a little bit as far as strides. Um, it, it's still not good. But uh, I, I actually think at this point, and listen, he could be on the verge of, of getting much better. He's only played four games. Um, and and he, he's, he's not really had a very, very, very bad game. He was below average against Washington. He was average overall against New England, but that was primarily because of his run blocking. His pass blocking was graded as very good with 35 total pass blocking snaps as a right tackle. Against Minnesota as a left tackle, which, I mean, what do you expect? Left tackle is a much more difficult position to play, and it's, you know, Daniil Hunter. Um, but he was just graded as below average. It was only 10 snaps, limited, whatever. But then you have week 13 against Arizona as a right tackle. He was graded as good. He was very good as a pass blocker and very good as a run blocker. That, I mean, that's that's something that nobody does. So, listen, we've seen it several times. Kyler Fackrell has, has made a bit of a jump. Devontae made his jump. Guys can, can grow. It happens. Fact of the matter is, he seems seems to be. I mean, if we just look at his trajectory, 2016 he was horrible. Just looking at his grade again on Pro Football Focus, in 2017 he was average. 2018 so far he's graded out as, you know, I guess above average, kind of high 60s, high average-ish. But his pass blocking grade through this year is good, and that's that's really it's it's the volatility that's the problem. He's he's had two bad games and two very good games. And both of his very good games came at right tackle. Week three against Washington was the one time that he was not graded very well as a run blo- or as a pass blocker, and it was just barely below average. So I'm not super excited about it, but the fact of the matter is, the Falcons don't have very good pass rushers. I saw Aaron Nagler had some said something a couple days back about, oh good, so we get Jason Spriggs up against, and then he listed off a bunch of pass rushers, and it's like, all those guys are kind of terrible, man. I mean, he mentioned Vic Beasley. Vic Beasley is literally the worst player on their defense. He he is hot garbage. Takaris McKinley, I understand the hype. 
Um, he's ranked 28th out of 32 defensive players. He's terrible. Steven Means, 26th out of 32. He hasn't really played at all, but he's terrible. Derek Shelby is is uh, rated as average. Brooks Reed is um, above average. The only guy in the even good category is Bruce Irvin. He hasn't played since week nine. So, I mean, I, listen, it's a good opportunity for Spriggs to really showcase his talent. And it's one of those things, too, where we, we've seen the bad, and it's 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 kind of a, a tackle is one of those positions that's kind of hard to see the good because you're not really watching that. Like Kyler Fackrell, when he suddenly becomes good, you can't miss it because he's getting a sack on the quarterback. The entire world watching this game sees Kyler Fackrell in that moment. If Jason Spriggs prevents a sack, you don't see anything. So the images of guys flying past Spriggs over and over and over getting sacks on Rodgers is burned into our brain, and we're waiting for him to get better, but we're not really watching. So I, I, I think it's he's getting a little better, and as much as we're not noticing, there, there's some hope for him. Considering the depth issues that we have, I think he might stick around for a little bit. Second-round pick, obviously, there's a lot of talent. I know the injuries uh, have been pretty severe and um, unfortunate and often. But, um, you know, it's not good, and it could be very, very bad. But, again, considering 50% of his games as a pass blocker have been graded as very good, the other two below average, and the fact that they don't have very good edge rushers in Atlanta, he's got a pretty good opportunity to have a good game. Whether this will be one of his high weeks or or low weeks, I don't know. But um, it doesn't automatically mean disaster like it has in the past. Let me just put it that way. As far as Raven Green being out, looking at the Packers' defense, um, fortunately for us, two of the uh, two of the top three players on our team, or highest grades on the Packers' team this season, are safeties. Unfortunately, those two safeties are Ibrahim Campbell and HaHa Clinton Dix. So, <laughs> oh, I know he's garbage. Blah blah blah, because he took bad angles and he didn't tackle people. And we don't want to talk about the fact that he was very good in coverage and you didn't really see a lot of these open deep shots down the field. And he had all those interceptions. But we don't talk about that. All we care about is a free safety's ability to take good a- angles and tackle people. Anyways, and Ibrahim uh, is is not playing anymore. So we got to slide down a little bit, all the way down to number 14, Mr. Josh Jones, who's graded as average, which, in my estimation, is what I would call a win. <laughs> and it is. It's, it's a slight bump up from what he was last year. Last year he was graded out as, as below average or bad, I guess. I don't know. Again, I don't have the below 60 vernacular down. This year he's average, and he hasn't had much playing time. You know, how, how good he, would he be if, rather than, you know, jumping in week five and then week eight, you know, what if he'd been playing consistently? Oh, maybe could be sort of could maybe possibly be again i have high hopes for josh jones we'll see things could be worse i mean the fact regardless of you know as bad as things maybe are at safety the fact that he's our best safety is you know gives me some optimism not for the team but for josh jones the next best would be Tremont. um it is kind of hard to tell us based on his grade because half of his grade is based on being a corner but there isn't that big of a difference I mean, it, it, he had a decent game against Arizona. It was actually his best coverage game, despite his run defense tackling and, and pass rush grade being pretty terrible. But if you look at it, it, his season has mostly been average, which is pretty unfortunate. I was really hopeful that he would uh, kind of thrive over here. But he's had six average games, two below average games, 
two pretty terrible games and then two good games, uh, the one against Buffalo and the one against Arizona. So he's had one good game as a corner, one good game as a safety, one really bad game as a corner, one really bad game as a safety, uh, one below average game as a corner, one below average game as a safety, and then the rest have all been average. So not a huge difference from switching from safety to corner. Still glad we got him. I like Tremont a lot. Very, very tough player, very dedicated player. Um, but I, I mean, the guy's going to be 36. He's, he's 35 years old right now. So, I mean, at some point you got to just say, you done good, you know, you had a great career, is what it is, I guess. I guess if there's a silver lining here, it's the fact that Ibrahim Campbell, who is now currently on IR, obviously, has been an absolute stud. The guy played one week for the Giants in week two. He was, well, I mean, he, excuse me, correction, he played one snap for the Giants and then got let go, came back and played one snap for the Jets, Actually graded out okay, because he apparently made a tackle. So one play, one tackle, that's pretty solid. Then he comes to Green Bay, plays 13 snaps in Week 11, and grades out as above average. So that's pretty cool. Great tackling grade. He's got an average coverage grade. Considering there are depth issues and all that, that's not bad. Week 12, he plays 53 snaps. By the way, if you look over the course of his entire career, the guy has been elite in tackling. I know that's one of those weird things, but... Still, that that's crazy. Elite. With the exception of 2016 in Cleveland, that's nuts. But anyways, week 12, he gets his, his first big-time game here. 18 run defense snaps, 35 uh, coverage snap. He's above average in coverage, very good in tackling as always, a uh, good grade in run defense, and overall a good grade. That's awesome. It doesn't maybe sound all that good, but you got to understand, if his overall grade was his grade on the season, and by the way, as I've said, He's, he's graded number two on our defense. Small sample size, so it doesn't count. But just to give you some understanding of, of uh, what we learned in this small sample size, Kenny Clark, number two, Ibrahim Campbell. Week 13 against Arizona. His coverage grade was good. One target, one reception for 12 yards. Six tackles, one assist, one stop, and one forced fumble. Tackling grade, as always, very good. Run defense grade, good. Overall grade, very good, 83.9. His overall grade for the season, 84.7, with an 88.9 tackling grade, which is basically elite. Overall on the year, when you add in the Jets and the um, the Browns, 89.4 is his tackling grade. So, legitimately, the Packers might have something here. Again, small sample size, and if you look over the course of his career, minus 2018, there's kind of some, eh, the coverage is kind of so-so, whatever. But at the very least, from the standpoint of depth, I'm very glad that we have him. But uh, as far as today and the rest of the year goes, whatever. But again, I'm, I'm more interested in 2019 and beyond anyways, and we may have found something in Ibrahim Campbell. Uh, a little bit more about him for those that don't know, out at Northwestern. He's 26 right now. He's been around a little while. 5'11", 210. He didn't run at the, uh, the combine, but he ran a 4'5'2 at his pro day at Northwestern. And that uh, was a fourth-round pick by the Cleveland Browns back in 2015. So, again, glad we have him. I don't know that we're going to retain him, but I, I certainly hope we do, because at this point, I don't know if we have a better safety than Ibrahim Campbell. Even if we take away the, the small sample size and look at the, the full body of his work, I can't say definitively that anyone else is better, especially if we're looking at free safety. That eliminates Josh Jones from competition because it's a different position. 
So it's, what, Ibrahim Campbell and Tremont Williams? Maybe Raven Green. He does a little bit of both free and strong. I think he's a better free safety, but whatever. Whatever. Doesn't matter. I like him. Glad we got him. He's on IR. That stinks. Is what it is. Anyways, looking at the Falcons uh, injury report, we got a little bit more bad news, or at least good news if, if we're trying to tank, but bad news for the Packers and, and winning the game and all that, which is their goal. I can't say definitively Brian Gutekunst wants to win. I'm just saying, man. And I don't know if you noticed or saw this, but I saw something on Twitter that said something to the effect of Kevin King's injury. Um, it was, or Kevin King said something to the effect of it was a minor setback and they decided to put me on IR. In other words, like, ah, I don't know what's going on here. The doctors just shut me down. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. It's like, yeah, exactly. So that that's how it gets done. Gutekunst talks to the doctors. It's like, look, man, we're going to be extra cautious with these guys. Extra cautious. Do you understand what I'm telling you? And he's like, yeah, dude, I got you. Kevin comes in. Like, what's up, man? How you feeling? He's like, I don't know, man. Felt a little bit extra sore today. It was kind of weird. Really? Sorry to tell you this, but I'm shutting you down. What? <laughs> what? What? No, I mean, I'm, I'm all right. I mean, I, I could probably play. I'm just saying. I was a little extra sore. Nope, sorry. Doesn't sound good. Um, run some x-rays. Give you an MRI. Make sure there's no damage to the tissues or the bone structure or any of that kind of stuff. And hopefully we can avoid surgery here. Otherwise, we, you know, we just got to, you know... We're, it's a waiting game right now. We just don't know. I'm telling you, man. Tie the shoelaces together and tell them to run. Aaron Rodgers is going to run, but Gutekunst has got those those laces tied tight. That Ibrahim kid looks pretty good, huh? He certainly does. Speaking of, I heard, uh, heard he tweaked something. Isn't that interesting? Go have him talk to the doctors real quick. I got to go make a phone call. You shut him down right now. Look, I'm not saying, but I'm definitely saying. Anyways, from the Falcons' standpoint, however, they are certainly not of the, of the same mind. For the most part, everybody's full go. Logan Paulson, Paulson, not Robert Paulson, Logan Paulson, is out. Nobody cares. He's like the second or third tight end on the team. It would be the equivalent of like losing Mercedes Lewis for us. Like, um, okay, maybe Lance Kendricks. I don't know. doesn't matter. Questionable is Matt Bryant, which could have an impact, but I'm guessing he's going to play and be fine. The two guys that do matter, Julio Jones and Ryan Schrader, the tackle, they are playing. Everybody's playing. Calvin Ridley's playing. Grady Jarrett's playing. Um, yeah, they're all playing. Deion Jones, he's officially back. Good to go. Again, they've had a lot of people hurt, and it's all their best players, but all their best players are, paying, are playing. So I, I'm still torn on it. As much as everything seems bad, I'm still torn when I actually look at the breakdown. Because here's kind of how I, I'm looking at this. What I'm almost positive they're going to do, for the most part, is double up Julio Jones and put Jair on Calvin Ridley. Again, Calvin Ridley is a rookie, first-round guy, kind of young, fast, slick, you know, whatever. And um, so those two are going to be head-to-head. Julio's going to get doubled. I think the Packers, for the most part, can handle that. Now, Julio's going to get his. Calvin Ridley will probably get his. But I think, for the most part, that's a pretty good matchup for the Packers. So from there, ultimately, what you have is the Falcons, and you know, you've got two options. You can try to play strength against strength, meaning Julio Jones beating a double team, Calvin Ridley beating Jair Alexander, or you try to take what we're giving you. That is to say, try to have Sanu beat Jackson, or 
try to use Ito Smith and Coleman in the run game to beat up on the Packers' run defense. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit of both, but I'm thinking as far as game plan, they're going to have to try to pick one and, and, and decide how they feel they can best beat the Packers. If you're coming in just saying, well, let's see what happens, I, that's, I don't think that's how that works. But I really think the game is going to come down to who's going to be able to step up as far as not the number ones. So the Falcons are going to do the same thing to us, except we don't really have a number two like they do. But they're going to try to take away Adams. They're just going to double up Adams and say, okay, try to beat us some other kind of way. And then more than likely, they're going to use their very, very good linebacker and very, very good defensive tackle and try to make sure Jones doesn't get carried away, even though he hasn't done very much in the last couple weeks. Aaron Jones, that is. So double up Adams and then try to uh, bottle up Jones so that he can't go anywhere. And then you create a situation where you say, okay, Randall Cobb, Marquez, EQ, you guys are going to have to try to beat our defense. That would include Jimmy Graham, by the way. Then maybe a secondary plan. If Jimmy Graham starts going off, which is unlikely, you just take Mr. Deion Jones, the linebacker, put him over on Graham, and say, okay, best of luck to you. In which case, the Packers are going to have to be able to look at that and say, okay, let's have Graham go run out so we can evacuate Jones, right? We'll split him out. And then um, then we got to be able to run Aaron Jones. But I, I think this game largely is going to come down to the secondary players, the second-tier players, stepping up. And then from the reverse angle, it's it's execution by the defense. Because you put all your strength in one area, and then the defensive coordinators for both teams say, you guys, where you're not strong, have to step up. We're daring them to do something. Don't let them do it, and we win. Right? We're taking away Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. You just have to lock down Marquez and EQ and Jimmy Graham. If you can do that, then we win. If we try to lock down Devontae Adams and Marquez is able to tear us up, we're in a lot of trouble. Because I don't want to have to bring over bring help over that way or keep two safeties back because then we can't double Adams anymore and then Adams is going to carve us up. So right out of the gate, you're going to have defenses come out with their initial plans. And the goal of the offense is to get the defense out of that plan, to force them to change what they're doing. And if they don't, you just keep doing it over and over. And that was one of the frustrations with the Packers. They would drive right down the field and get a touchdown. We, we, the, our first drive has got to be our best drive of the year. We always start off hot, but we fizzle. Now, I'm sure some of it has to do with defensive adjustments, but we've seen several times where we just change what we're doing. That initial drive will be a lot of Aaron Jones, a lot of short screen passes, a couple nice passes to, to Devontae, maybe a couple one or two you know, mediocre or mid-range longer passes mixed in. But for the most part, it's just clean, quick football. Scripted plays, move down the, the, the field, nothing too crazy. And then what happens next? We come out with Jamal Williams, and we drop back, and we're trying to, trying to take deep shots all the time. Why are you doing that? Something else I found interesting that I don't necessarily know, but I'm going to defer to them. Um, on Twitter, there was an account called Eye in the Sky for the Packers, and I, I don't exactly know the context. I don't remember, and I don't have it up. But somebody had, had made some kind of a point about, you know, we need more slants. I in the Sky had said something about, it's not about slants. The, the, the defenses that the opposing players are running against the Packers are defenses that basically are, are begging the Packers to go deep. In other words, they're, they're protecting against that kind of stuff because that's the kind of stuff we can do. And maybe part of the reason that we're trying to go deep is because the defense is telegraphing to us, go ahead, we're not scared of it. So Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy are like, okay, we will go ahead, and then it doesn't work. And that's probably a big part of the reason we're losing. So, so two points. One, 
If that's true, and I have no reason to believe it isn't, that really answers a lot of questions. Why do we keep going deep all the time? And the reason is the defenses that they're running are not optimal against those kinds of plays, but we just can't execute them. It, whether it's the throw, whether it's the route, whether it's guys just not beating the guy in front of them, whatever it is, we're just not executing it. That's a situation where the defense is giving us the deep throw, and if we can take it, then they have to adjust, then we can beat them up and work the middle. But we can't take the top off. Even with guys like Marquez and EQ, who have the speed and the height and everything else, it's just not working. So that would answer a lot of questions. But here's my other point. So what? Maybe I'm, I'm wrong again, because again, I haven't, uh, I haven't looked at it myself. But even if their defense is trying to take something away, if they can't, why are you stopping? Right? They're, they're working up close. They're trying to take away the slants, the screens, and the run, whatever, the, the stuff close to the line of scrimmage. But if we do it and it works on the first drive, and then we come out and say, ooh, look what they're doing. They're, they're daring us to go deep. Let's go deep and let's take the top off. Or, and, and, and hang with me here, we just do what we did before because regardless of what they're trying to do, they can't stop it. You ever played, played Madden and for fun or, I, I don't know, goal line situation or whatever it was, I don't, I don't, for whatever reason, you just call like a, uh, a punt block, not when they're punting, or a field goal block for that matter. Field goal would make more sense because then you have a guy back or don't have a guy back. But the point is you just get everybody up to the line of scrimmage and you have them crash down and then, you know, usually even though it probably wouldn't be the case, and if they did squeak through, it's going to be a touchdown. But it's Madden, and I haven't played Madden since a long time, so the intelligence probably wasn't there. If you knew they were going to run and you just called a field goal block, you were going to stop them, at least in my experience. But anyways, let's just say that's the case. And they're, they're going with the most ridiculous, like, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're blitzing everybody. They're bringing every single person down. In that situation, it would make sense to throw it, right? I mean, how, how easy would it be if they were doing a field goal block and you just run whatever, a little quick pass, a slant, and it's automatic six. But for whatever reason, what we know is we can't execute the slant. However, even when they bring the house, we're still able to run for six yards. What do you think we should do? It doesn't really make sense. We shouldn't be able to execute the play, but we can. We should be able to execute a pass, but we can't. Here, here's a thought. Just keep doing what works anyways. Right? They're, they're trying to take away the slant. However, we've seen a lot of times where they run the slant and the guy's open, so throw it to him. Just keep doing it as long as it works. And I understand it's one of those things where it's like it, it's, it's not ideal. And optimally, if you're a good football team, you take what they're giving you and you punish them for, for challenging you in that kind of a way. But the problem is defenses have figured out the Packers. They know what we can and can't do. They know if they just run these three kinds of defenses, the Packers can't beat it. At least, you know, we, we can abandon the deep part of the field. Not that that's what they're doing, but I'm just saying. Just, just for, um, don't take all this too literally. I'm just giving you a general idea of a conversation to be had here. They understand that if they give us something, we can't take it. So we can abandon that. We don't have to worry about that, and we can focus our efforts elsewhere. And again, that, that comes back to two things. One, again, it, it's good to know because that's that at least answers the question, why are you throwing deep? all the time is because they go watch the film and they realize that defenses are basically giving us those plays and if we could just get guys to execute it we're going to tear that team up 
And for a guy like Rodgers, that's frustrating because he's reading the defense and he knows the right check to make and he knows the right play call and he's probably calling the right play based on the defense because he's reading it correctly. But there's no execution and it comes back to talent. So it tells me two things. One, it at least explains the lunacy of throwing it deep all the time, even though I don't think that's the right call. I think at some point you got to realize, I know what the right call is. We're going to do the wrong thing and hope we can execute. The second thing is it reiterates the point that I think talent is a really big issue, more so than anything else. And um, also kind of brings me back to the point where maybe a wide receiver wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. First round, second round, whatever. Not not first pick in the first round, because that would be ridiculous, but either second pick in the first round or first pick in the second round, whatever, might be pretty critical. Now, I told you about J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. He's basically a gigantic tight end. Smart dude, deep speed, great with 50-50 balls. Since we're on the topic, though, let's discuss a few others because there's a lot of... So, so you got Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, very, very good slot guy. I kind of went off about that the other day. Again, I like Marquise Brown a lot, Hollywood Brown. He's great. A.J. Brown is another one. But you've either got the quick shifty guys or you just have these gigantic behemoths on the outside that aren't really good at separating, but kind of just like Julio Jones, except maybe not quite as good at route runners. They're just giant and it doesn't matter and they're going to catch it. The number one guy on my board right now, oh yeah, we're talking draft. I got to pepper it in, man, because it's that time of year, at least for the Packers it is. Number 20, top of the board, Nikhil Harry, Arizona State. So here's the situation. I need to start doing this more often because it's fun. You want a homework assignment? Here's your homework assignment. And either hit me up on Twitter or on Facebook. Do one of the two. I'd prefer you get in the Facebook group just because, you know, I'd like that to get as big as possible. Get in there. Plus, we can have a discussion. Post it in the Facebook group. We'll be able to have a discussion as opposed to you messaging me and me giving you a thumbs up going, yeah, cool, man, thanks. It's better that way. Here's your homework assignment. Go to NFLBigBoard.com. Go to the bottom of the board underneath position and type in WR. That will sort all the wide receivers. Watch the highlights, or the film if you have some extra time, of the top, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys. Because there's seven guys between 20 and 45, and then there's a massive drop-off to Colin Johnson out of Texas, who, by the way, looked like a stud. I don't remember the last game I watched him, but he definitely looks like a stud. There's, there's some other really good players, but that drops all the way down to 70. Then there's a really big 70, or 71, 73, 75, 76, 78. Like, it's all wide receivers. Colin Johnson, Demarcus Lodge, Anthony Johnson, Riley Ridley, Amon Richards. And then 82, Akeem Buckler, Butler, 87, David uh, Sills. But anyways, you don't have to get too crazy with it. Nikhil Harry, DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Kelvin Harmon, Debo Samuel, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, and Hollywood Brown. So as it stands right now, Nikhil Harry, DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown are early 20s. This would probably have to be a round one pick. Obviously, this stuff is going to change a lot between now and the draft, but that's kind of what we're talking about there, so keep value in mind. Kelvin Harbin, Debo Samuel, J.J., and and, uh, Hollywood, potential second-round guys, kind of in that first, second realm. But just go check it out. And then also, again, we've got different styles of players. So slot guys and, and big outside guys, you got route runners, you got good hands guys, all that kind of stuff. So just kind of curious, because it's not just a matter of who's the best player, but who fits better for the Packers, right? Yeah, this guy's probably a better player, but we don't need that kind of player. We got Devontae. We need a slot guy, or we need a, a guy that's a deep guy, or what, you know, whatever. I'm just saying, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, so let me know. But I just want to run through real quick, give you a cursory overview of these fine specimens. 
By the way, NFLBigBoard.com, if you go there and do as I said and sort those wide receivers, you will have, you can click highlights and you see their highlight videos. You can click film and you'll see uh, different film footage of these guys if you want to do a deep dive on them and kind of see, because highlights just show the good stuff. Although, if you want to get an idea of what they do, I actually do encourage you to watch highlights because it just gives you that. Just don't assume that that's how they play all the time. It just gives you a good understanding of what it is they do well. Then you can click on news. It takes you over to Roto World. You can all see the latest news and all that kind of stuff, what they've done. And then report takes you over to the Draft Network. You can get a full scouting report uh, from the fine folks over there. They do a really good job. So, again, I, I love my site. But you've got the 6'3", 216-pound Nikhil Harry. He's one of the big guys. He's a big, physical, great hands, 50-50 ball guy. He's a he's he's kind of a long speed. I mentioned J.J. Arcega Whiteside in the second round makes sense as far as that that Jordy deep speed. This is another deep speed guy. Probably not his his biggest asset, but it's there. Next up, D.K. Metcalf out of Mississippi, and legitimately there are three Mississippi guys. Two of them could be in the first round. D.K. Metcalf, A.J. Brown. The other one might be a second, thirdish round, but three guys very very talented. But this is another D.K. Metcalf, six foot three, two twenty five, real big dude. He might be a little bit of a better route runner. I don't know. Again, you check it out, you see. But if you're looking for somebody that can maybe kind of win that way, this is another one of those things where the, the combine is going to be awesome because you've got these these physical specimens and these really talented wide receivers in this draft class. And if you can get a guy that's this big, that that, that has some speed, that could really, really boost some some stuff. But uh, I, I would say that uh, DK Metcalf is a little bit different, almost almost opposite, because you're talking about a, a better a guy that's better on his release, a better route runner, maybe not quite as good with the 50-50 balls. The the catch point consistency is is the worst trait, according to Mr. Joe Marino. Third guy on the list, another uh, Ole Miss guy, A.J. Brown, Mississippi. Same deal for those that don't know. 6'1", 225. Now, this is a slot guy, 6'1", 225. That is a monster for a guy in the slot, by the way. Randall Cobb is what, like 5'10", 196 or something crazy like that? And that's pretty standard, right? Golden Tate's a smaller guy. Imagine having a slot guy that's this big and that physical. 225 is a big boy. So he's not going to give you the deep threat stuff, but, you know, work in the middle, that Randall Cobb type of guy, this is the guy. Or, of course, Hollywood Brown. He doesn't have the deep speed. He doesn't have any of that stuff. But uh, great route runner. So I don't want to lead you in any kind of direction. But, again, just just go check him out, man. All these guys are a lot of fun to watch. And you can't not get excited about football and about the draft and about the Packers if you just watch some of these guys' highlights. Just go watch them. It's going to take, what, a half hour of your time? And granted, I'm, I'm going to actually do a video in a little bit because I'm getting excited and I can't contain myself, so be on the lookout for that. But uh, it's completely different kind of – so three different guys. You got the deep speed guy. If you took the top three guys, you'd have three wide receivers. You got the guy with the deep speed and the good hands and the and the good you know touchdown guy. Then you got your more Devontae Adams type of guy, the better route runner, good release. Um, you know, other guy on the on the outside. And then you got AJ AJ Brown in the slot. Three very very talented guys. Um, number four, Kelvin Harmon. He's actually been going up the the draft board quite a bit. NC State wide receiver. Pardon moi. 6'3", so another big guy, not quite as bulky, but still a, a big dude. 6'3", 213 is not small. Probably more of a DK Metcalf than a Nikhil Harry. In other words, he's got the route running stuff going on. Very fluid. Again, not super deep speedy, but um, again, you know, just go check the guy out, see what you think. Another another just bully is what these guys are. Nikhil Harry, DK Metcalf, Kelvin Harmon, they're bullies. Debo Samuel is next on the list, and I can't get a read on this guy. He's, he's, he's listed as an H-back, which already kind of throws me off. He's a wide receiver, but that's his designation, which is kind of like a tight end designation. 
But he's 5'11", 215, so a little shorter, but decent decent size to him. Another real tough guy. He's, he's a little bit of an injury risk, which automatically for the Green Bay Packers, I think that should be a priority for us. As much as we love all the speed guys, maybe our newest priority should be guys that have never been hurt in their entire life. Like, ever. Like, when they were kids, they never fell down and, like, hit their head on the, the corner of the coffee table. Never. That never happened to them. They're, they're the safest people ever. And we should be, we, what we should be doing is spending all this quadrillions of dollars that the Packers earn and invest in technology that can test hamstrings and soft tissue and uh, just, just check it. I don't even know what that means. Check the soft tissue. I should know what that means considering my profession, which is none of your business. <laughs> but a soft tissue checking machine would be ideal for the Green Bay Packers. And that's just, when we call you in for a visit, we check your soft tissue. Again, whatever that means. We give it a grade. Then we work you out a little bit, and then you go on your way. You've never been hurt, and your soft tissue is impeccable. Like, you could frame it. It's awesome. But anyways, um, again, I don't want to lead you, but the whole Debo thing, you know, whatever. Whatever. (laughs) JJ I already talked about, so I'm going to leave that alone. And then Mr. Hollywood Brown. Now, again, please don't mistake what I said yesterday as me saying I don't like him. He is a freak. I love Hollywood Brown. He's awesome. Pro Football Focus just put together, I should, act, I, well, I'm not going to. Go check it out, though. It's not paid. Just go to their website. They put together their All-American team. Uh, Marquise Brown was on that list. He's really good. There's no question about it. Now, he's 5'10", 168. So this is the one guy that's legitimately, like, this is just, he's all athleticism without any of that, like, NFL size or anything. This is your Randall Cobb. This is your, like, small, shifty guy, you know, Hopefully he doesn't get killed on the football field guy. But, um, yeah, he, he, he flies, man. So the small frame is his biggest thing. But, anyways, that's what I would like you to do today. Obviously, you can go in the group and, and ask any questions, say anything you want to say. You can hit me up on Twitter whenever you want. Talk about whatever you want. I love, I love interacting. It's fine. Like I said, one of these days um, when I'm on NFL Network and all that kind of stuff, you know, I don't know if I'm going to have a lot of time to message to talk to anyone, to everyone. Not that I want to work for them, but I mean, I wouldn't say no. But at this point, relatively unknown commodity. I've got plenty of free time. Hit me up. But yeah, I mean, if, if you're interested, if you like the draft, if you're looking for something to do, uh, allow me to give you an assignment. And it's something that we can discuss. I would love to discuss it in the Facebook group. So just just check it out. See what you think. It's going to take a couple minutes. You don't even have to finish the highlight video. Just watch it until you think you got an idea. Rank them. Let me know what you think. You know, who's your favorite, least favorite, and then best fit for the Packers. Sound good? Homework assignment for the day. Otherwise, I think I'm going to leave it there. Um, again, I, I here's the thing, if we get back to the Packer game quickly. What I had said is that I don't know what's going to happen, primarily because looking at the talent, I think the Packers have the advantage. I genuinely do. If, if, if all things were being even, and if it wasn't for that Cardinals game, I already said I think we're the favorite to win that game, and, and I think we were. I just don't know what's going to happen in terms of effort. I just don't know. I think if the guys show up, and I think if they give it their all, and we don't see this sort of lazy nonsense, I don't really care, I don't want to be here kind of thing, where, I mean, as soon as I watched that Cardinals game and I saw Aaron Rodgers just kind of shivering and looking like, I don't want to be here, I got a birthday party to go to, I can't wait to get out of here and go eat some steaks and, and, and lobster with my friends. This is like, this isn't going to go well. But it, so, so that's why I'm torn. The Packers are the better team. The Packers have the advantage. The Packers are at home. The Packers can and should win this game. But um, I, I just, I, all signs point to a loss. 
the the GM shutting it down. The players are kind of giving up. Uh, I, I, the coaches are all getting fired. So we'll, we'll see. I'm going to leave it open because I don't want to say something that's ridiculous. I could see it going either way. I could see us winning. I could see us losing. I spent the last day trying to trying to solidify my position. Here's what I think is going to happen. I do not know. I really don't. All Again, Packers are better. All signs point to a loss. One of those two things is going to win out. Anyways, folks, enjoy your Saturday. I'm going to, as long as I have time before the family gets up, I'm going to jump on and do some videos because I'm excited to do some, some draft stuff. I'm going to post these um, in the Facebook group, maybe a little bit on Twitter, but you only get like a minute to post a video on there. It's not great. So whatever. Enjoy your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great one. Bye-bye.